Since 2011, Edward Vaughan has been the rector of St John's Anglican Church in Darlinghurst, in the inner city of Sydney. He has a large and diverse following in the local community, which includes the colourful neighbourhood of King's Cross. He's also a husband and a father of three. He's a big sports fan and has a deep-seated love affair with the magical world of music. Edward Vaughan, thanks for joining me on Chapter and Verse. Uh, my pleasure. What made you decide to join the church? Um, in terms of, of becoming a minister, if I, if I start there, I, um, I, I became a Christian at university, so when I was about 21, and uh, my background is in, so I was studying arts, so my background is in history and, and English, and I was a teacher for three years, and that was, that was great, but I think I just came to a point where I realised my great passion in life was not really you know, helping kids to know more about you know, when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. This is you know, a noble calling, but, but not mine. And what I really cared about were the, were the issues of faith and spirituality and community. And so that's, that's why I left teaching and went into ministry. What prompted you to become... A, a Christian at 21 yeah, sure. rather than at a younger age younger or age. from yeah. birth or yeah, by yeah, family. Yeah. yeah. So my background is Catholic. Uh, my, my family are Catholic. I went to a Catholic school in the eastern suburbs here. Um, I think like many people, that was a fairly disenchanting experience and, uh, and a fairly difficult experience. And so I think when I left school, I thought, well, that's it done you know, in terms of Christianity. But I went to university and I met someone who was a Christian who actually had a really intelligent faith that they could talk about and share and have interesting conversations, which I'd never actually experienced before. And, you know, cut to the chase, that woman is now my wife. <laughs> but we were friends at uni and, and really through her just, just talking and sharing what she believed. And uh, she invited me to actually read the Bible, which despite, you know, 12 years of religious education, I'd never actually done. And when I started reading about Jesus, I have this shocking experience that far out, I, I think this guy is for real. Can you tell us about some of those difficult experiences at school? You said yeah. that, that Catholic school was just a, a difficult experience. Yeah, it was a difficult experience. I think Catholic education in the 1970s was in real... I didn't realise this at the time, but you know, looking back was in real crisis, a crisis of authority. And I think the old ways were going. And so what people relied upon was, was a very heavy-handed dogmatism. And, um, and you know, all the child abuse scandals that we've heard about, that, that thing happened. You know, and I was aware of, we were aware of Christian brothers who, who you know, were uh, abusive, either sexually or physically, uh, towards kids. And so I think like many people, that was a disenchanting experience. And that experience of how life in the faith could go wrong, has that informed the way that you practice your faith? Yeah, look, I, I think uh, I really love Jesus. And I realised the church is a very human institution. And I don't think you ever want to confuse the two. What was your, aside from school, what was your childhood like? Your father's from Ireland. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and was born there. Yeah, um, yeah. Did they come here before you were born? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So my father emigrated here before the Second World War. Uh, my mother was born here, but her parents were from the same part of Ireland, County Clare, where my father was from. Um, and he was a publican. And so he owned a pub that is just across the road from where we are sitting right now in Darlinghurst, the Green Park Hotel. And that's where I grew up in my high school years. So if we walk out the front of the church and look down the road, I can see my bedroom window uh, from up there. Uh, my childhood was um, materially, uh, I was well provided for. Uh, 
and there is a lot of difficulty too. Um, you know, my parents' marriage was not happy. They ended up getting divorced. Um, there, there were, um, yeah, it 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 was painful and difficult in in certain parts, and I think that did have a big impact on me too. I think it it left me with a kind of a questing and a yearning to to think, well, you know, what is life about, and and looking for something more than what I was experiencing. What was your training like when you decided to uh, that you wanted to practice? As a minister? As a, yeah, as a minister. Sure. I went to Moore College, which is in Newtown. Uh, and um, look, it was, I think, a good theological education. Um, I think the way that we train ministers here in Sydney, I think we do a really good job of helping them understand the Bible. I wish we did a better job of helping people understand culture. And What do you mean by that? Um, I think that as a church, we don't often read culture well. And so I don't think we often understand what the world thinks about us. Uh, we understand you know, what God says in his word, but I don't think we often understand how to relate that to, to people. And I think if I were critical of my training, it would be in that area in particular. I don't think, um, and I guess I come from a history background and a social history background. And uh, I think as a, as, a, as a church, we're not great at, at reading Australian culture. Is that changing? Uh, not fast enough for my liking. <laughs> How do you make sure that uh, culture is a big part of your teaching? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, maybe maybe I'll say this because it's just so um, so much in in my head. I belong to a book club with a bunch of guys, and we met last night and we had our final meeting for the year. What are you reading? Well, the book that we read last night is um, "Boy Behind the Curtain" by Tim Winton, and uh, I was at, in a completely different setting some time ago, and and someone was asking me if I wanted to be a better preacher, a fellow minister, if I wanted to be a better preacher, what book should I read? And I think they thought we'd be talking about a theology text or something like that. And I said, read Tim Whitten, because I think he's one of the few writers who actually managed to um, convey spiritual truths in a very vernacular kind of way. And so he has everyday Australian people who use, you know, simple words who actually speak about very profound and divine things. And there's one... A story in that book called um, Twice on Sunday. So he grew up in a very quite rigid and dogmatic uh, church in Perth. And it's his reflection on that, the, the best bits of that and the worst bits of that. It's a wonderful piece. Of, I think one of the best things he's ever written. Maybe that's one for the audience to go yeah, and yeah, get check it out. I think for it, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great, great collection of stories. Early on in your career, uh, if I can... Can I call it a career? That's sure. that's a reasonable word. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Um, you became the rector of Darling Street Anglican Church in Balmain, Roselle, which is in the inner west of Sydney, not yeah. too far from here. That's right. And you had what's called a planting ministry for yeah. thirteen years, and yeah. that's a term that I hadn't actually heard of. Okay. Uh, but for the audience, it means that you established a number of new churches and congregations in the area. Yeah. And I love that imagery of a church being birthed or planted like yeah. a seed in the ground yeah what was it like uh starting congregations afresh uh, i was a, a younger man in my early 30s and it was just incredibly exciting and uh it was a, a tremendously exciting period of my my ministry and uh we started with a, a little group of about 15 or 20 people and and the church grew over i was there 13 years but it grew significantly from that. And we planted a number of little congregations that each grew in their own way. 
and uh, yeah, just tremendously exciting seeing people join the church, seeing people come to faith. Um, and it was obviously a very established area and an area going through at that stage gentrification, changing from an older working class suburb to uh, a very different kind of place. And yeah, I really enjoyed that. That sounds somewhat like the area that we're in now, yes. or at least um, perhaps a few years ago, the process of gentrification started yes. really taking over the inner city of Sydney. Yes. Areas like the one we're in now, Darlinghurst, King's Cross, Redfern, yes. Waterloo. Historically, they've been quite disadvantaged areas, as you say, working class, um, people with uh, on social security in sure. need of a lot of assistance. But we're seeing lately a massive influx of younger people, of uh, middle-class people with yeah. stable jobs, stable income. What's it like to minister in this community at the present time? Yeah, you are right. I think this is an area, so we're talking about King's Cross and Darlinghurst now, going through quite significant gentrification. And so, you know, if you have a million dollars, you can go up the road to the... Um, uh, Omnia development just up here and for your million dollars you could you could just about get a studio apartment but without a parking space you know it's just horrendous you know the cost of of places around here and yet in our parish which includes Woolloomooloo probably about 20% of this area is is social housing and those people at the moment are not going anywhere and so I think what we notice about this area is that the the poor people are still here and that the rich people you know that end is getting richer and what's missing is the middle kind of area. And I think that creates a kind of tension because, you know, what those two groups of people want out of this community and want out of this city are quite different and they don't always intersect or interact you know, positively or in good ways. Do you have people of all sorts from the local area come to your sure. church? Yeah, yeah, we really do. Um, we have rich people, we have poor people, we have straight people, we have gay people, we have transgender people, we have, you know, uh, barristers, we have unemployed people. You know, uh, I, I think this community here is, I think, one of the most genuinely diverse communities that you could experience in Australia. And I, by, I mean genuinely diverse. Uh, I heard a beautiful quote from the actor Martin Sheen recently, yeah. who's a follower of the Catholic faith. Yeah. And he said that, Piety is something you do alone. True freedom, spirituality can only be achieved in community. Yes. How important um, is that community that you work and live in here? Yeah, incredibly important, I think. Uh, if I think about you know, what, what my job is about, I think it is about the development of community. Uh, we're a particular kind of community because you know, we worship Jesus and so we have him at the centre. But it really is about you know, uh, the creation of, of, of a group of people uh, and, and their relationships with God and, and with one another. And it's interesting, that quote, because um, if we, we have two statements that are really important for us as, as a church. We, see, we say about ourselves that we want to be a people of freedom and a presence of blessing. So this is a community in which uh, a lot of things are shaped by... Um, a lot of people come to this kind of area seeking pleasure, you know, and they, they want to... You know, have money or they want to use drugs or they want to find sex or they want to do a whole range of different things like that and so people come looking to experience pleasure and and freedom in a sense but often experience the dark side of that which is slavery or addiction but we think that jesus has called us to be free um to to live freely uh and and to be free to serve other people 
And the way that we serve other people, we say, is that we want to be a presence of blessing. We don't see ourselves as the moral guardians of King's Cross or the, you know, the, the moral police. Uh, we're not out here picketing or you know, uh, shouting at people who disagree with us about anything. But we do want to have an open hand and bless our community uh, if they want to receive that blessing in whatever way we can. Going back to that issue of uh, the diverse community and the, the yeah. historical disadvantage, yeah. there's um, another quote that I, from another interview that I heard recently, which was with a Jesuit priest in Los Angeles. His name's Father Greg Boyle, and he's famous for his gang intervention programs. Okay. And he said that he sees his mission in a really um, troubled area of L.A., as standing with the easily despised and the readily left out and the demonized so that the demonizing will stop and with the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. Mm. Does that resonate with you in this area? Yeah, it's, I think it's a really interesting kind of quote because it seems to me what he's saying is at the heart of his ministry is, is treating people like people, you know, actually recognizing our personhood that we are made in the image of God. And I think uh, often in life, the way that we deal with one another is highly transactional. I'm interested in you if you're useful to me. And once you stop being useful, I'm not interested in you. Um, and, and someone who sees life like that is really dealing with persons as, as persons. So one of the interesting things about this ministry here, St. John's, they've, this church has run a ministry called Rough Edges um, and been doing that for 21 years. And it's, it's a cafe for street people. And it's just a place where anyone can come. And it's really just about community and hospitality. Uh, and it's, an again, amazingly diverse group of people. Um, it's surprising who actually comes to a place like that. I want to go back a step. When you finished in Balmain, Roselle, yeah. in 2005, I think you moved to Ireland. Correct. Where, again, your parents had been born. My father was born there. My mother's parents were born there too. Okay. So I have an Irish passport and my children have Irish passports too. So you went there, you moved from Sydney to Ireland in 2005 and yes. you became the rector of a church in Dublin. Correct. Was it difficult to pack up your whole family and move to the other side of the world? Yes, it is. Um, it is, a, you know, anyone who's ever done it, it's a really challenging experience. But those six years were fantastic years for us. In fact, <laughs> this very morning I was talking to my wife. She was talking to me. Uh, it was a really lovely church that we belonged to in a very different setting to here. It was a very suburban, middle-class setting, South County, Dublin. And uh, it was just a lovely experience and we enjoyed it very, very much. Were all of your children uh, born by that stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, how old were they? 18, 11 and 8. I think our son came with us and hated it and moved back uh, to Sydney after 12 months and lived with family, friends and did uni over here. My two daughters um, continued through school over there. What was it like being on the other side of the world from your son? Did you find that difficult? Yeah, heartbreaking actually. I think the day that he left to come back here was one of the, uh, <laughs> one of the worst days of my life actually. And perhaps especially because you had found it such a rewarding experience yeah. and he clearly didn't. He didn't. And it was just, I, you know, uh, uh, it was just a really awkward time. He just finished his HSC here. It was just a really awkward time in his life. And we made the decision quite quickly. It wasn't like a long-term life plan. So we pretty much just pulled it, you know, out of the air and said, hey, guys, we're <laughs> heading off to a country you've never been before. 
what is Ireland and Dublin in particular like? Ah, um, it's a much smaller city than Sydney. It's hard to kind of... Um, Sydney is... Um, it's not beautiful like Sydney. Uh, it doesn't have a harbour like Sydney does and doesn't have the Opera House and the bridge and, you know, that kind of thing. It's its beauty is, is kind of different. There's a beauty because it's such an old city. I know. imagine it's very quaint. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's lots of quirky, you know, little pubs and all that sort of thing. But I think what makes it fantastic is the people. Um, and uh, we found we found Irish people to be incredibly hospitable and incredibly generous to us. Did you discover or go looking for much family history while you were over there? Um, yes, I had a lot to do with my family over there. Um, so my family are from the West Coast, from Clare. And so uh, I'd met you know, my auntie, before we'd been to Ireland, Jane and I had been to Ireland before and met, you know, uh, lots of my cousins and that sort of thing. So we had a reasonable amount to do with them. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, my family still live on the farm that my father came from. So uh, I got to sleep, you know, there and be and visit that place. So there's still a very strong family connection in that part of the world. Does the Irish heritage go back many generations? Oh, yeah. In my family, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, yes forever you know that's yeah on both sides my family is irish one thing i've noticed about people who serve in a public capacity is that they often have an extraordinary amount of determination they show up and they keep showing up despite the setbacks and the hardships and the disillusionments Mm -hmm. of these really challenging roles yeah Uh, have you found that sort of resilience to be really important in your work yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, certainly in um, in this place, in this ministry here. So we've been here seven years now, and this is this has been by far the most challenging and difficult ministry that we've had, and for a whole bunch of reasons. But uh, I, I think uh, it has, you know, to do this kind of thing exactly as you said. You need to just turn up every day and just. I, I think what makes it possible to do a really challenging task like this is to really believe a strong sense of call. So for me, this is where God wants me to be. It may not be where I want to be right at this moment, but it's where God wants me to be. And I have a very strong sense of that. And that allows you to persevere when yeah. things get tough or when yeah. you don't feel like doing something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Love and compassion are core teachings of Christianity. Sure. And I get the sense that in the modern world, things like love are perhaps not as valued in popular culture as they were in times gone past. There's a real sense of the values that we want to encourage are strength and force and determination, but there's less room for softness, kindness, love, uh, compassion, tolerance. How do you make sure that you maintain things like love and compassion in your own life? Yeah, it's a really interesting observation. And if I might comment on it, I think what characterizes us in Australia in the early 21st century is a really, really strong sense of individualism. And so uh, we have this you know, very strongly defined sense of the self and the rights of the self. And that's not bad, but I, I think we have so emphasize the individual that we have lost community one of the things that i notice about this area here is the absence of community 
um, there just seem to be a lot of people who, are, who live often by choice and sometimes not highly isolated kind of lives because I can make every choice that I want to. I can listen to my music. I can, you know, read my Facebook feed. I can, you know, I, I, I can shape everything to my own particular taste. And while there's something great about that, there's also a loss because I don't have to actually interact with people who are different to me. But your question about how do you stay fresh in that kind of way, I think, uh, to be honest, I think that's probably my number one task as a leader in this community is to actually look after my own soul. Uh, so I, I'm sitting here this morning, having just come back from a few days down the south coast. Where did you go? Uh, Kalala. We have a friend who's got a holiday house at Jarvis Bay. And I just go down there um, this time each year and just spend some time praying, you know, reading the Bible, planning, thinking, uh, and just you know, um, taking care of my soul. And I think it's that thing of if I don't do that, I have nothing to give other people. Uh, and it's a really important thing for me. What are some of the other major things that you think you've learned in your life of service? Wow. That's a profound question. Can I answer a slightly different question? Because I think... Of course. Yeah. Um, when we went to Ireland, we went for a whole bunch of reasons, but, but there was one particular thing that we were really interested in. So when we were in the inner west of Sydney, we were, as you described it, planting a number of different churches. And if you think about that, there's an established suburb and we're planting new churches. When we went to Dublin, the church had been there you know, since the 1840s and uh, around it were these barley fields. So it's a, a kind of outer suburban location, a little bit like, I don't know, St Ives or Engadine. So the church... It was right adjacent to these fields. And a developer, this is during the, the Celtic tiger, the boom in Ireland, a developer bought these fields and was going to build a whole, what they would call over there, an estate, a whole new suburb. 20,000 people, schools, train stations, shopping centres, this whole thing, right on the boundary of the church. And interestingly, you know, we were talking to the developer about integrating the church into this community. This church would be a community church, which is a really exciting idea. But the the really interesting bit was that we were a Protestant church in a Catholic community and it was had the potential to be this community church. And so the developer was actually designing the, the, the development around the church, even though they were separate blocks of land, but they would integrate. And so if you, you think about it this way, it was the flip of what we did in the inner west. It was established church, new suburb, as opposed to old suburb, new church. Anyway, that was really exciting and uh, that was were quite passionate about that and then the Irish economy fell apart and they never built the uh, the development they were just starting to get on site when the Irish economy fell over so if you go back there now the fields are still there and so what that meant was that the job went from from doing something I think quite pioneering and exciting to being the minister of a medium-sized church in a suburban location which is a noble calling but not mine and so that's the reason that we came back you're married to Jane, as you said, and you've got three children, Christopher, George, uh, Georgia, and Chloe. How do you balance your commitment to the church and to your role as a minister with your role as a family member and wanting to be there as a member of that team? Yeah, that's a good question. It's much easier now because they are all adults. Uh, Chloe, our youngest, is 20. Uh, she's still at home. The other two, my son is married and we have a grandchild and... Uh, my other daughter has moved out of home. So it's much easier now that they are adults. 
uh, and I think it was a tension in the earlier part of our ministry when we were in the uh, inner west in Balmain and Roselle and Lilyfield because they were younger and just much more um, demanding and uh, it did often feel like a tension and there are only, only so many hours in a day but I think for me um, uh, being being very involved with my, my family was a very strong priority because it, it you know my father wasn't like that and I think for me I wanted to be different to that and so uh, I was very committed to doing that you know I can say that I have a really good relationship with my kids now um, but I think yeah it's it's a challenge there's no doubt about that you talked about having a grandchild, mm. um, grandson, granddaughter. Granddaughter called Frances, known as Frankie. Frankie. How old's she? She is two. Um, I've, again, noticed another pattern amongst a lot of people who have devoted themselves to serving the community, and that's that they're not only proud of their professional achievements, but a lot of them take real pride in the children that they've raised mm. and, and the grandchildren that they've in a way, given life to, mm. as much so as anything they've ever done that could go on a CV or a resume. Mm. Is that the case for you? Mm. Yeah, I think I think very much, and I think it's it's partly about you know understanding what uh, what is important in life, and we invest so much you know in our institutions or organisations or careers or professions or whatever, and you know who who's going to be around our deathbed, you know, but our our spouses, you know, our partners, our kids, you know, um, and they're the relationships that are going to be incredibly important. So, yeah, I think I think valuing those things is really important. Well, I think that's a wonderful place to finish. Thank you so much for welcoming welcoming me into your church this morning, Edward yeah. Vaughan. Thanks for being on Chapter and Verse. My pleasure. 